the Sort of Sports Podcast, episode 84. And I'm um, recording this on a Friday morning. Um, last night, ended up playing some basketball with my buddies, and I got back and had to do some laundry. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it like I did last semester where I recorded in the morning, except I'll do that tomorrow morning. So I'm recording this Friday morning. It'll be out Friday afternoon. I don't know why I'm telling you this, because it's already out for you. So this it doesn't matter to you. Um, on the channel, just uploaded a skit last week. The NFL Bachelorette. I think it's pretty funny. If you haven't checked that out, uh, if you want to, you can go do that on the channel. I'll obviously link the channel in the description like I always do. I've uh, been continuing to make YouTube shorts. So I got, I think, two or three that have 2,000 views. And um, the music one's doing well. They've got like 1,000 views each. So feeling pretty pretty good with that. So pretty exciting stuff. But um, let's get into the reason we're here. Let's talk about Super Bowl 58 um, in Las Vegas. Uh, there's something else really big that happened in Las Vegas yesterday that we'll talk about later. First thing I want to address, though, is the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm willing to bet what's going to happen is um, Usher. Here's the thing. Like, I was talking to people, and they're like, I don't really know that many Usher songs. I don't, I'm not really that excited. I'm willing to bet after the show, Usher's going to have like this mini resurgence for a couple weeks. People are going to be like, oh, I forgot about all these good songs. He has like, Scream is really good. DJ Got Us Falling In Love. Obviously, yeah. But there's more that like I'm not even thinking of that are good. But, like, Scream's one of the main ones. Like, if you play Scream, and it's like, if you want to scream, yeah. I actually remember making a dance number to that song when I was in like the second grade with my sister and her friends. So, that was pretty funny. I'm a, if she listens to this podcast, remembers that. It's amazing. But um, anyways, um, I do think Usher's gonna have a bit of resurgence after this. I think people are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, he does a lot of good songs," because he does. And um, it would be extra special if they brought out Captain Sparkles to help him perform. Um, Don't mind at night. I mean, that'd be that'd be really funny. Um, if it Cree came out and did Creeper All Man, I think the crowd would lose their minds. But then every person over twenty five would not understand what was happening. So I I mean I get that too. But anyways, um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I, when it first came out, I was like, really, Usher? Like, that's who that's who we're getting? But I actually think it will end up going very well, which is which is odd. I don't I didn't really expect to be saying that. But I, I have a lot of faith that um, we've kind of underrated Usher, and I feel like he's going to cook up. So, I mean, I liked Rihanna a lot last year. I enjoyed Snoop Dogg and um, Dre and Eminem and... Oh, who else was there? Um, the Super Bowl 56 was like the one where they were just like, yeah, we're in California, so we're just going to get all the, um, we're going to get a bunch of rappers, and um, from there it's going to be sweet. Oh, who, there was two other people. It was Kendrick, and, um, oh, what is her name? She is on a song with Kendrick Lamar. She's on the one... It's so embarrassing. It's actually not embarrassing, but it's it's just disappointing. <laughs> uh, Mary J. Blige, that's who it was. And then 50 Cent and Anderson Pack both like made little surprise entrances. It is ranked as the fourth best Super Bowl show of all time by Rolling Stone. You know, it's behind YouTube, Beyonce, and Prince. I, I'm fine with that because the only one I've ever, ever watched live out of those top three was Beyonce. But um, 
I think they've been doing pretty well lately. The weekend, I know, is like a big deal, but I really didn't enjoy it. Because the thing with the weekend is it's like, uh, there was no element of surprise for me. We all knew every one of those songs he sang. It, that was when the weekend was like, it is a super popular phase where like most people didn't, which is weird. His popular phase where like, I mean, he's still popular. I think he's like number two on Spotify, which is crazy because I've never met a weekend fan. The thing is with the weekend is like everybody has like three weekend songs they really like and you just don't realize it. So it's kind of funny to me. Like me, I mean, look, if I go to my Spotify right now and just type in to my liked The Weeknd, I guarantee there's like five songs. Weekend, Yeah, okay. Wow, there's a lot more than I thought. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. See, it's even more than I thought. There's, I mean, he's just got a lot of good songs. It's Everybody likes a couple Weekend songs. Um... Okay, so let's get into some of my ideas, though, for future Super Bowl halftime shows. Uh, so the first one, I think, is so obvious. They should go out and get Dua Lipa. She's got a lot of bangers. She's super famous. Um, let me check and see where she is on Spotify. But I think she just performed at the Gram. Yeah, she just performed at the Grammys. Um, she's ninth in the world on Spotify. So, I mean, she's got a lot of good songs. Um think she has a new album coming out soon because she released the single Houdini and I'm assuming you know she's gonna have a rel- like a new album coming relatively soon because her last album was Future Nostalgia which was um 2020 so I'm assuming she's got something new being cooked up but I mean Levitating would hit Levitating would be awesome at the Super Bowl that is like one of my favorite songs by her uh, I would say Break My Heart um, don't show up. Like all those songs would be great. Um, yeah, I think she could really cook. I mean, Houdini would be good too. So I think Dua Lipa would make a lot of sense. So that'd be great. I'm also genuinely surprised they haven't done Drake yet. And uh, Drake's been in the news a lot recently. <laughs> so maybe they should get Drake. I mean, I think Drake would be be pretty sweet i think the problem with super bowl halftime is they've, they've got to try to appeal to literally the biggest audience possible and i think the dads would respect the dua lipa like i think they'd be like oh this has got some you know she's she's a good singer i get you don't really think the dads are going to respect drake the moms aren't going to respect drake i get that the grandparents are going to like drake i get it that was like the big win of like if you could get taylor swift is i feel like everybody would respect it I think there's like Dua Lipa could do it, but Drake is like everybody under like 35 is hype. Maybe even like 30. Like maybe I'm giving 35 year olds too much credit. So I am I am surprised. Like they if they ever do a Super Bowl in Canada, it's like because they do it in Toronto. Like they have to get Drake, right? I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. It would be it'd be it'd be a fun show because he's got a million big hits like songs. He could cut in between like. 40 different songs legitimately money in the grave at the super bowl would be awesome but um drake's also more of a basketball guy like he he watches football and makes random picks and puts on the drake curse but he's always associated with basketball so i guess i think the killers you could do um i don't know that many killer songs other than somebody told me and mr brightside um at the radio station I work at, though, they play a good amount of the killers, so I know they have other songs that are relatively popular. But as far as, like, popular with people that don't listen to alternative rock, because that's what the radio station I'm at is, um, I think, 
um, really somebody told me and Mr. Brightside, they're big too, but you know, Mr. Brightside's become like the thing again, which is awesome. It's a great song. And it would be pretty sweet if they performed at the Super Bowl and did Mr. Brightside. I mean, like, I think if you announced the killers, people would initially be like, eh, but then you'd be like, guys, it's a guys who play Mr. Brightside. And people would be like, oh, okay, that's sick. Because it would be sick. Um, so, yeah. I think the killers are like an underrated pick. And then my last one is actually one that I talked about years ago. Let me find it. It's uh, Ryan's special section. Yeah, here it is. This is from two years ago. I wrote this up during Super Bowl 56, back on the big salad with Quinn. Um, so Ryan's special section, Super Bowl 57 halftime. This is my idea. So I'm going to toss this back out there because I still think it's a good idea. It's the one-hit wonder show. So we have the Proclaimers come out. They do 500 miles. Then Dexie Midnight Runners come out, and then they do come on Eileen. Vanilla Ice comes out for Ice Ice Baby. Bobby McFerrin does Don't Worry, Be Happy. Baby Got Back from Sir Mix-A-Lot. And then I'm going to add one. I didn't have this originally, but we could do somebody I used to know by Gautier. Is that how it's pronounced? They could do that. That would be pretty sweet. And then obviously the big finale is Rick Astley comes out and does Never Gonna Give You Up. I think that would be sick. Granted, I did not check to make sure all those artists are alive. Hopefully they all are. And you could do that show. Because I think you would please literally everybody with that. Like everybody would like that. The One Hit Wonder show. Um, I get that's a little um awkward. Hey, we're doing a one-hit wonder show. You guys fit perfectly. <laughs> and there's that, right? All right, let's get on to the actual game itself. It's funny because like, I don't feel like I have a ton to say because I recorded the podcast last week where we kind of talked about the Super Bowl, but you kind of didn't. do want to say NFL Awards last night. I think it's kind of weird. Not weird. It's just flat out shitty. I don't really like the fact that Joe Flacco won over Demar. Um, I just think that's wrong. I think Joe Joe is a great guy, and um, I've been really impressed with what he did with the Browns. Don't get me wrong, but Demar Hamlin nearly died, and so, like, I know people make their jokes, and the NFL kind of like overdoes it a little bit. I get that, but in the same sense, guys, like he literally almost died. So, like, I feel like he should have won the award. So it was. He had the most first-place votes, but there were eight people that left him off their ballots, and that's what led to Joe Flacco winning. So it just rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, he he wholeheartedly deserved it. And I get the fact that some people get tired of, like, how much of a big deal the NFL has made it. But in the same sense, it was a big deal. Like, it, it, he nearly died. His heart stopped beating. So I, I, I just didn't really like that. So, um. I just feel bad for DeMar Hamlin. He, he did deserve it. But um, Coach Year went to Stefanski. A lot of Browns love because I definitely thought D'Amico Ryans deserved it more than Stefanski. But um, whatever. Jim Schwartz did win assistant coach year. And to me, that was wholeheartedly deserved. And Miles Garrett won defense player of the year. That was wholeheartedly deserved. I know TJ Watt lovers are pissed. But um, at some point, it's like Micah Parsons actually came to Miles Garrett's defense on Twitter. He's like, don't just look at the stats. Watch the games. Uh, Miles Garrett had the best season. Um, he's just getting double teamed and held a lot, and that's why his stats don't pop off as much as me or TJ's. So I was appreciating Micah Parsons speaking on that, but um, yeah, I just that was a, it was a weird NFL awards because like obviously, so Lamar won MVP is expected. Both the Texans won Rookie of the Year. That made sense, and then it was like okay, if you would have went both Texans Rookie of the Year, you're thinking all right, D- D'Amico Coach of the Year. 
And no, they went with Stefanski coach of the year, Flacco comeback. It was just odd. I'm like, if you're already giving Jim Schwartz assistant coach of the year, why? I don't know why. I mean, obviously they don't think about that. They don't sit there and go, all right, well, we, Jim Schwartz is one assistant, so let's try to make it even and give it to D'Amico. No, that's not what they do. I get that. I just think it was odd. In my brain, D'Amico deserved it. I mean, he went into a team that had two wins and completely turned them around, and now I think they're a Super Bowl contender for next year, so. Just, just craziness. But um, I like Dan Campbell could still be a candidate. I know he's already won it, but still, like Dan more than Stefanski at some point. I mean, I guess the thing with Stefanski is he did lose Nick Chubb, and I guess I don't think about that. But when I watch the Browns this year, I'm like, they have a really good roster. And to me, coach of the year is usually you overperformed with a roster that wasn't that impressive. And I feel like his roster is pretty impressive. But granted, maybe I feel that way because I'm around a bunch of Browns fans who are like, hey, this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good. And Joku could be elite. And they're right about Njoku. He could be elite. He, he's becoming elite. He's really good. All right. Um. Yeah, let's get into the actual game itself now. So, uh, I mean what I said in that little YouTube short I made about Travis Kelsey retiring and proposing. I do think if the Chiefs win, he is going to retire. Does he propose in the field? Most likely not. Like, honestly, most likely not. But... Um, I do think he's going to retire because it's the perfect end to him, um, for him, I guess what I said. He's got a great celebrity career ahead of him. He can continue to host SNLs. I could see him being in some movies. Like It's going to be interesting what Travis decides he wants to do after all this, but um, I think he's going to be done. Him and Jason can both be done and retire the same year. I think that's cute, and I think it's what they like. You know, they do the New Heights show together. It'd be easier if they're both retired, so... Yeah, I think Travis is retiring as long as the Chiefs win. I did say the Chiefs going to stay hot and ride the whole way. It's been very impressive um, how the Chiefs just put it all together in the playoffs. And I did give Mr. January to Travis Kelsey for a reason. This is his best playoff performance. He's really got nothing left to prove after this playoffs. And I feel like the Chiefs have really nothing left to prove after this playoffs as long as they end this with a win. But I say that, how can the Niners win? Uh, what can they do to beat this Chiefs team? To me... Um, if the Niners are going to win, they're going to have to get out early. Uh, they cannot let the Chiefs go up 14-0 in the first quarter, you know, first two quarters. That's disastrous. They cannot plan to play play from behind. I know we said Niners can't play from behind, and then they did for the Lions. You can't do that against Chiefs because the Chiefs' defense is better than the Lions' defense. I think it's funny with the Niners. Everybody says that they have a great defense, and they do have a good defense, but I don't know if I really consider their defense top five. It's like fringe top five. Because your best defenses, in my mind, are the Browns, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers. Maybe even think about putting the Rams there. Eh, that's kind of, okay, I'm probably lying at that point. But they're like fifth, I would say. I'd say the Niners' defense is fifth. So, I think it's funny. Everybody acts like they have an elite. Like, obviously, it's a good defense, top five. But the Chiefs' defense is better. And I would say the Chiefs' offense is better. So where do you think the Niners are winning from? Because the special teams is better on the Chiefs, too. <laughs> I guess the argument some people have opposed me is like, look at the roster of the Niners. They have better players. I'm like, yeah, but players don't win a championship. Teams win a championship. If players won a championship, then the Dodgers and Yankees win the World Series every year because they have the best players. The Chiefs have the best team. They just come together. They, on paper, they're not the best roster. They're really not. Like, as a Madden team, they're not the best. But in reality, the way they play together is incredible. So, 
That's my argument. If the Niners are going to win, they're going to have to get out early, um, score with, keep up with the Chiefs, or force the Chiefs to not score. That is what they're going to have to do. If the Chiefs go up early, I think the game's over. I think, honestly, my prediction for this game is the Chiefs go up like 14-3 in the first half. Niners make it interesting and make it 14-10 in the third quarter. And then in the end, the Chiefs end up winning 21-10 or 24-10, something like that. That's honestly what I see happening. It's not a bad Super Bowl, but it's not like a hood classic. It's like pretty good. Kind of like last year's. So what are the narratives for each team with a win? Let's do the Niners first for the win. Um, Big thing would be Brock Purdy. Uh, It's like how many more can this Niners team get with him? He's obviously their franchise guy now, locked down, if that wasn't already sure already. Kind of silencing a lot of the doubts because if they're going to win, he's going to have to play a great game. And um, McCaffrey, definitively the best running back of like the last pretty much like since what Adrian Peterson yeah I'd say that's probably about right and so like gonna go down as like a top running back of all time like probably like sure Hall of Famer now like for sure he gets a big Super Bowl win that's that I mean a lot of great running backs don't have a Super Bowl in their name Tomlinson doesn't Sanders doesn't um I'm trying to think well I, I think obviously Walter Payton does but a lot of great running backs don't, so that'd be big for him. Um, Shanahan, it's like he finally finally got it done. He's been close for a while, been considered like the best coach in the league for a while, but yet he could never get that Super Bowl. Now he finally does. He's validated. Now they're all tied for six Super Bowls, the Patriots, Niners, and Steelers. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that's like probably the big narratives right there is all those things. For the Chiefs, I think it's obvious. Um, the Taylor Swift thing was not ruining their team. Somebody, I just remember somebody was saying she was like the Yoko Ono of the NFL. Clearly was not true. Um, it's like now it starts to get legit. It's like, okay, how many can Mahomes end up winning? If Trav retires, you know, then the narrative becomes, you know, how do they, how do they replace that? Fun fact, Mahomes has zero rushing touchdowns on the year. I don't think he's going to rush for one again, but I just think it's an interesting stat. Like, we've seen a lot of quarterback, like, we've seen a lot of QB sneaks, a lot of tush-push, a lot of brotherly shoves this year, and these are two teams that don't do that. Like, Brock doesn't do that, and Mahomes never does that because you know, that's how Mahomes got hurt and got the turf toe and all that. Like, they do not run that play, so I just think it's funny that, like, in a year that was dominated by that play, like, it felt like every week you were watching a team try it. The Super Bowl ended with two teams that don't do it. Like, two of the, like, five teams that don't. I just think it's funny. Um, What else for the Chiefs? I mean, they, they like, cement themselves as the team of the this, like, era. And it really makes it tough for anybody to be the team of the 2020s other than them. Because you got to think they might get one more for the end of the decade, if not two more. And you just wonder what the path to that is. And it um I think next year becomes super interesting if like Kelsey retires and now the Chargers have Herbert, whoever they take at the five pick, and they might potentially sign Saquon. I mean, goodness. We we're gonna see Hood Classics out in the AFC West. I mean, that should be if you got to ask me what the opening game of the season should be, it should be that. It should be Chargers Chiefs. That would be an incredible opening night. 
I don't think they'll do it. I really don't. But it would be sick. Because that's back-to-back years where the Chiefs opened. And I don't think they want to do that. I remember the one year that Bucks cowboys was the opener. Because I remember Bills-Rams was the opener la- like two years ago. And they like destroyed the Rams. And then I think Bucks cowboys was the opener in 2021. That was a... It was just a funny choice for the opener. I mean, I get the Bucks won the Super Bowl, but... I mean, Chiefs-Chargers would be great, but it's a divisional matchup to start the year. I don't know if they'd do that, but it would it would be awesome. Because I think the thing is with the opener, you want to pick a game that... I mean, the Chiefs-Chargers, whenever it happens, is going to be great. It doesn't have to just be the opener. Does that make sense? Like, they can save that for a Sunday night football or something like that. So... It, I mean, they probably want to pick some, like, random game to be... Like, putting the Chiefs against, like... I mean, Chiefs-Lions, again, no one would probably argue, but something like that, right? All right, who am I rooting for in the Super Bowl? I think it's pretty apparent I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I want to see him get a win. I want to see Mahomes have three. I want to see Trav retire on top. And I just think it's the most interesting. You guys know, at my core, I'm a guy who really likes narratives and stories. That's why I'm really into movies. That's why I'm really into pro wrestling. Um... I think it's the most interesting story. On top of that, I'm really not a Chiefs hater. Mahomes doesn't annoy me anymore with how whiny he's become. I don't enjoy that. But I can't hate Trav. I love Trav. And, um, you know, Mahomes used to be, like, my favorite quarterback. Now it's now it's all a mess because it's, like, it's Lamar and then it's, like, Bryce and Herbert. But is that really the order? Maybe Herbert really is number one still. I don't know. And then, like, Stroud's making an excellent case because he just talked up Bryce Young the other day. He's like, Bryce Young was number one for a reason. I'm like, CJ, do you just want me to love you more? I don't understand this. Like, CJ was talking up Bryce Young. It was incredible. So, I mean, that makes it tough. And then on top of that, like, I love Joe Burrow. So, it's like I have, like, five favorite quarterbacks at this point. It's crazy. And then, like, whenever Arch Manning comes in the league, he's going to be a favorite of mine. And J.J. McCarthy's going to be a favorite of mine. So, it's it's really bad. It's really bad. Anyways, um, and, and I like Fields a lot, so but I wouldn't consider Fields a favorite. Fields is just like a soft spot. Oh, and what about Baker? We all know I love Baker. So it's just I watch way too much football and I get really attached to the quarterbacks. It's so I don't even know who my favorite running back is other than Chubb. I just love Chubb. Maybe it's more special though because I just really like him. Okay, yeah, so I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Who's my pick? Uh, I said it earlier. I feel like Chiefs 24-10 or 24-13. They wouldn't go for a field goal at that point. So, like, 24-10 is probably, like, what it's going to be. I see the Chiefs winning. Um, I think it'll be fun for them. And, obviously, it's fun for them. They're winning the Super Bowl, right? Um, Yeah. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I don't think the Klinger curse is going to come through for the Chiefs. I will say, the last time I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, they lost. Because I picked them in 2019, and they won. I picked them in 2020. Well, 2020 was the year, but Super Bowl 54 is easier to say it. I picked them, they won. Super Bowl 55, I picked them, they lost. Super Bowl 57, I picked the Eagles, and the Chiefs won. So I haven't picked the Chiefs to win in four years. No, not four years. Three years. So let's see. Um, let's see if they can beat the Klinger curse. Uh, this will hi- probably be. Oh wait, I want to say something real quick. Um, I made jokes on my YouTube short about Andy Reid retiring. 
if we're being honest, the sad truth of the matter is I don't think Andy Reid will retire. Um, I, I, this is going to sound mean, but I think it's true. I don't think Andy Reid has anything really left in his life other than football. Like he's got, I know he's got problems off the field with his health, and obviously there was a thing with the car accident and his son a couple of years ago. Like I think Andy, this is like, this is like his escape. Like this is, this is all he's got. Like he's poured his life into this, and this, if he retires, like what's he really gonna do? Maybe be on like ESPN commentary. So, ah, uh, yeah, I'm like a halftime show guy, like Terry Bradshaw, but. To me, I think Andy Reid just wants to be out there, so I don't really see him retiring. All right, here's the last thing. I think this will probably be the highest-rated Super Bowl ever between the Taylor Swift stuff, between the fact it's Chiefs-Niners, between like it's the Niners, you know what I mean? It's like a storied team versus most dominant team of the last five years. Like this... This, to me, has the makings of an incredibly highly rated Super Bowl. I mean, like, to me, this is the equivalent of if the NBA could have gotten, like, Bucks lakers in, like, 2021-ish range. Like, if that could have been possible. Where it's, like, history team versus, like, young, fun, up-and-coming. Whereas, like, Ravens-Lions is, like, the equivalent to, like, heat nuggets it's like everybody that watches nba is like hell yeah heat nuggets but as far as a marketing scheme it's a little tough but um yeah i think it's the best way to describe it but um yeah i think this will be the highest rated super bowl ever i think it's the most viewership and uh that'll be pretty nutty so and i will make my prediction for super bowl 59 on the next one very excited for that. I think I've already said it like 40 times, but I'm, I'm still going to do it for fun. So I'd love to see the Lions in there, but I'm not going to do it because I don't even want to take the chance that I'm possibly cursing them. So I'm just going to stick with, with the pat pick I said last week. I almost said Packers because it is the Packers, but we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Anyways, that is my official Super Bowl predictions. I know I didn't go super long, but it's also like I talked a lot about it last week too. So I'm very excited for the game. Um... As far as, like, my excitement level, I would say, okay, so I watched NFL. Like, I remember watching NFL pretty much, like, 2014, 2013 range. That's when I got, like, I got Madden 11, so, like, I knew some players. And then I started, like, watching a couple of games in, like, 2013. And then I, like, paid attention to, like, social media posts and, like, Bleacher Report. Actually, I don't. I didn't have any social media at the time, so I guess I paid attention to Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report circa like 2015, 2016, 2017, and like 2018. And then 2019 was when I just started watching like every single week. And I was a big proponent of the fact that the Chiefs were going to be like the team, and I was right about that, for better or for worse. <laughs> Sorry about that. Really had to sneeze. Um. And I was right because they did win the Super Bowl that year. But I don't really think I was like, you know, Rasputin or anything because I, I think it was pretty obvious to everybody they were going to be the next thing. So, um, I think the, I was super excited for Super Bowl 54 because I couldn't wait for Mahomes versus Grop. And, like, not Grop, but it was just Mahomes getting that first Super Bowl win, I guess, is a better way to word it. Super Bowl 55 for me was super disappointing, but it was probably, like, the most hyped I've been for a Super Bowl. I think 
maybe, because I I was like, whoa, Brady versus Mahomes, like this couldn't be any better. But then Super Bowl Fifty Six was crazy hype for me too, because it was like, yeah, I I know Stafford's a good guy, but I did not want to see that Rams team to win, and I loved. Loved, and I still love Burrow, and I loved that Bengals team. So I was like so excited for them. Last year wasn't very exciting, and then this year I wouldn't say I'm the most excited for it either. I honestly would say like, if I had to say, probably the one I was most excited for is probably either 56 or 54. I was really happy for the Chiefs to make it, and then like probably 55 this, and then 57. I was not that excited for last year's. Maybe I, maybe this is. Revisionist history. Maybe I should go back and listen to those pods. I might have to after this, but I don't remember being the most excited because I don't. Yeah, I don't really like. I enjoyed that Eagles team, but I don't think I like loved. I don't love them, and I don't. I don't think I did then either. I, mean, I thought they were really good. Don't get me wrong, but it's crazy to think just like a year ago, Mahomes had one Super Bowl. I mean, I know that's how that's how winning Super Bowls works, but it's just weird. You know what I mean? Like, just crazy. Anyways, um, let's shift over to WWE. So I think it's funny because I sort of want, I I've been a pro wrestling fan. Like, I played the video games. I read. Uh, my friend would like talk to me about them, but I didn't start really watching until after WrestleMania 33. I actually remember the first time I ever watched it, it was a build up to. No Mercy 2017, and it was Cena versus Roman, and that's where I started hating Roman Reigns because I was like, this guy's terrible. He's nowhere good as my guy Cena. John Cena is my first WWE favorite wrestler. He still is one of my favorites. I mean, like all time, it's like him, Stone Cold, Roman. Being honest, like he's up there now. Kenny Omega. Um, that might be my top four right there. I do like Shawn Michaels. I will say, but um. That's probably my, that might be my top four, I don't know. And then, like, The Miz is up there, along with, um, he, honestly, Cody at this point. I, I really like Cody Rhodes. Um, Kofi Kingston, he's up there, too. And, oh, am I forgetting anybody? I mean, LA Knight's working his way up there, too. I love LA Knight. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's like my top. I'm actually a big Braun Breaker guy. I originally liked him ironically, but now I actually genuinely really like him. I think he's really good, so that's funny. Um, always been a big Gunther guy, too. But anyways, um, it's funny because I watched a lot of WWE in junior high um, with my sister, and then she graduated, and so it was just me. And so like it wasn't as fun to watch because like, I didn't have somebody to watch it with, but like I still would watch sometimes, and I obviously kept track. Like, I would, If I didn't watch it, I read the results afterward exactly what happened, and that was like 2019. Then 2020 hits, and I'm excited for WrestleMania 36, and I like Drew McIntyre. But other than that, I'm not that interested in many storylines because like, I really liked Becky Lynch, just like real, and I still do like Becky a lot, but the problem with Becky was when she got away from the whole the man, Stone Cold thing once she became married to Seth and her character kind of shifted to being more of like a celebrity which is fine I get it they had to shift it because you know I think in real life you know her life was shifting I get it just kind of character shift and I just really liked when Becky was like 
female Stone Cold. That was, like, awesome. I had two different The Man hoodies I'd wear around. And um, it's really a shame that Becky went away from that character, but I get it. It's fine. As far as my favorite women's wrestler now, um, I, I really, like, enjoy a lot of the stuff they're doing in the women's division right now. Um, I don't know who my flat-out favorite is, though. Like, I don't have one woman that I'm just like, yeah, like, I still have a soft spot for Becky. I do. Um, probably Jade Cargill. I think Jade is awesome. Like, she's like the Hulk. She's like She-Hulk in the, like, to come to life. It's, she's awesome. So I really like Jade Cargill. And I like Bianca Belair a lot, I will say. I would say, like, I enjoy Rhea, but she's definitely not a favorite. Because I feel like if Rhea's your favorite, that's because you have, like, an odd crush on her. So, and that's not true for me. <laughs> nah, it's not. And Rhea Ripley's really not my type. So, um, not in the Rhea Ripley. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say Jade and uh, Bianca. Which is funny, because they might fight each other at WrestleMania. But, anyways, 2020 comes along. I'm like, eh, I'm not paying that much attention. Um, and then Roman turns heel. And all of a sudden, the guy who was hated to Roman Reigns his whole watching WWE time really starts liking Roman Reigns. And I really enjoyed it. And I really liked the Bloodline story. And I really loved what they were doing with Roman. And I was really interested. And WrestleMania 37 rolls around. I'm pretty happy with what they did. That year was tough, though, 2021. Because as the year went on, I find out that, like, other than Roman, I really didn't care for a lot of the other things WWE was doing. And, like, AEW had Kenny Omega, who I really liked, and um, I uh, I enjoyed MJF, and that was really it. Well, then Punk goes over there, so I start paying more attention to AEW, and I'm like, at this point, AEW is my main brand. And that was, like, how I ended 2021. I was all like, really, the only thing WWE has that I care about is Roman and a couple other guys. But I'm mostly going to watch AEW now. Well, then, when I became more of an AEW guy, end 2021, started 2022... I found, also Kenny Omega was champion during that time, which is awesome because I love Kenny Omega. But I found that there's like five guys I really like in AEW, and then there's everybody else. Like, I just didn't care for their mid-card as much. Just couldn't really get into it. And I like I like Hangman Page fine, but like I don't love Hangman Adam Page, I'm going to be honest. I just didn't love him. And, I, I mean, the Cowboy gimmick is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I thought that was sick. But also, like, I just like Kenny so much more, and I don't know. So, I'm kind of like, 2022 comes, and, like, WWE's doing Brock versus Roman, WrestleMania 38, and I was just like, eh. So, they kind of lost me. Cody Rhodes comes back. That was pretty cool. I theorized at the time that he was a plant from AEW. I was very wrong. <laughs> but, um, really happy I was wrong. 2022 goes on, and by the end of it, I'm like, that Cody Rhodes guy got hurt. Because, like, I, I would keep up, like, sometimes read what happened at the pay-per-views. And, like, 2022 is the year I probably watched the least pro wrestling. But 2023, Cody Rhodes wins that Rumble. And I'm not, I'm like, is Cody Rhodes really going to be the guy to take a belt off Roman? Like, I wasn't that happy. Because I was like, I wanted a new star to be made by taking the belt off Roman. He loses. I'm like, whoa, you caught my attention. I did not expect that. It's 2023. I paid attention like the whole way. I didn't watch every week. I don't, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I didn't even actually watch that much NXT. I don't. I didn't watch any NXT last year. Like I just didn't have any interest. Um, I would make jokes about Braun Breaker, but like I had no interest in watching. And then um, at the end of 2023, I started paying more attention to NXT, and um, 
start of 2024, they've really got my attention because um, I'm back to just being full on watching all the time. That like really, it wasn't just the rumble that pulled me in. They kind of had me pulled in last like December range. Like I just started paying more and more attention. And obviously it's a really bad time because the truth about Vince McMahon being a bad guy is coming out, which like I said before, sadly I'm not that surprised, which is a shame. Like I, I kind of always figured Vince was doing bad stuff behind the scenes. We just never knew for sure. And now we know for sure. And it's him and Brock, which is crazy because I have to wipe away the guy who defeated the streak from history, which is just nuts. But that's all very gross. And I don't really want to talk about it because I mean, if you want to look that up, you can read that obviously there's a lot of terrible stuff. Um, so, um, but anyways, back to the wrestling aspect of things. Um, I said for years that when Triple H took over, that'd be the best thing happened to WWE. So when Vince moved out and Triple H took over, I started paying a little more attention. And then over the last 2020, like over 2023, they really got me back. Like I was really impressed with what they were doing. I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff they had. LA Knight was a big reason I came back. Like July, he started really popping off. I got me more interested. It's like there's a lot of factors here. But last year was a year that they fully brought me back as a big fan. And so this rumble they nailed because I wanted Punk to win. And when Cody won, I was like, ah, I'm not sure. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, yeah, that's a good move. Because I'll be honest, like, I thought Cody was cool, but I didn't love Cody until right about now, I'll be honest. Like, when he won the Rumble, I was like, I don't know. And then he comes out on Raw, and I was really buying it. And I really wanted, I'm like, by the Smackdown, by the time Smackdown came, I was like, yeah, I want Cody to beat Roman at Mania. I want him to finish the story. He's like the new big baby face. He's the new John Cena. And Roman is the ultimate bad guy. Like, this is awesome. I'm like, yes. This is, yeah, this is the right move. So I fully bought in. And then out comes Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he makes, he basically says that him and Cody worked out a deal. Because for those of you who don't know, if you win the Royal Rumble, you get to choose you want to face WrestleMania. Because there's two champions. One on Raw, one on SmackDown. One's the... Uh, one's the world heavyweight champion one's the undisputed WWE champion Roman is the undisputed WWE champion he's held the belt for three and a half years one of the longest reigns in WWE history and one of the greatest reigns in WWE history and you guys know I like Roman even more than I like Cody Roman has become my favorite wrestler in the world which is crazy because I used to hate him and I just think he's amazing I love Roman Reigns so much um but I didn't want The Rock to be the man to take the belt off him. Cody's the right guy because I like Cody a lot too. And I think Cody taking the belt off him I have bought into. I do believe that's the right move. Because the thing is with Cody is he has never won a title. So him getting his first world title reign after all this time and being the guy to take it off Roman is the right move. I'm very excited for this. The only guy you could convince me to be better is LA Knight. But I understand. Probably have to wait till next year's Mania or maybe this year's SummerSlam to see an LA Knight world title reign. It's fine. It's fine. Um, LA Knight can be the new Stone Cold. I truly believe that. But The Rock comes out, takes Cody Rhodes' spot, and basically Cody Rhodes, like, essentially was just like, yeah, you can take it. It's okay. Just stupid. It doesn't make sense for his character. It's just terrible writing. Some reports come out that The Rock basically told the ownership that he was like, because CM Punk got hurt. So CM Punk was going to face the champion on Raw, most likely was the plan, and Cody Rhodes is going to face Roman, who's on SmackDown. Well, when The Rock comes in after Cody CM Punk gets hurt and can't fight at WrestleMania... And is like, hey, guys, don't worry. I'll come in, and we'll make a lot of money off me and Roman. 
because they're cousins, and he's The Rock. A lot of the wrestling fans, me included, were pissed off at that. And um, we went, Cody was like trending on Twitter for a while. And um, Monday Night Raw was pretty confusing. Not really sure what was going on there. But they announced Thursday in Las Vegas, which I'm pretty sure that means they're going to have the the Super Bowl. WrestleMania 41 in Vegas would be my bet. But they announced that they're doing a presser. And I love this new presentation. Like, they're making WWE, um, they're presenting it more like a sporting event. And that was awesome. Like, they had a panel that would talk about what just happened. And the way they came out was, like, very UFC boxing style. I completely ate it up. I'm like, I love this new presentation. It's... It's like sports, you know, they always talk about WWE is world wrestling entertainment. It's sports entertainment. It's like a balance between sports and, um, like, the scripted soap opera-ness. And they nailed it. That rest, like that WrestleMania 41 presser last night was, like, cinema. I'm honestly thinking about if I can count WWE pay-per-views and the best TV shows I watched all year. Because WWE, honestly, is a chance to win in 2024. Because they are killing it right now. I think this is the best product I've ever watched in the you know, six years I've been heavily watching. No, seven, seven years, because it's 2017. It'll be seven years in August. But, and like I said, there were some years where I didn't watch as much as others, but that's because they weren't interesting me because I knew it wasn't as good. So now it's like really good. And I'm saying this is the best product I've ever seen. So The Rock comes out at this WrestleMania presser yesterday and completely embraces being a heel. Um, he talks about how the, the Samoan, um, you know, Bloodline um, deserves this WrestleMania main event and how him versus Roman would be the biggest WrestleMania main event in history because Roman came out and said, Cody Rhodes doesn't get to pick. I'm the tribal chief. I get to pick, and I want The Rock. Which, you know, he's going to get booed for that. So Rock comes out. He's like, oh, yeah, this is what should happen. You fans are stupid. Calls everybody Cody crybabies, et cetera, et cetera. Out comes Cody Rhodes. He's like, this isn't how this works. I want Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Crowd starts cheering. Everybody's excited for Cody. And then Cody, uh, so Roman took a shot at Cody's dad, Dusty Rhodes, one of the best wrestlers of all time, who's um, passed away, I think, in like 2015. And um, so Cody took a shot at him and the Rock's um, fathers and grandfathers and said if they were here, they'd be ashamed of you guys. So the Rock took um offense to and uh completely bitch slapped cody rhodes and that was that was pretty awesome and it looked like the way they sold it if you just look up the clip like wrestlemania 40 presser it was awesome because it looks the way they shot it the way they're filming it they're doing work shoots which work shoots i know sometimes get a bad rap but um basically what a work shoot is for those of you who don't watch pro wrestling is it's where they're making it look like it's unscripted when it's supposed to be scripted. Like, they're playing off the fact that you know it's scripted and scripting it so it seems like it's unscripted. It's like a meta layer. Because, obviously, you know that everything's scripted, right? But when The Rock bitch slaps him like that and the way everybody reacts, it makes it seem like, wait, maybe that wasn't scripted. And it was. But it's a work shoot where they're playing off the fact you know it's scripted and they're making you think maybe it's not. And that's peak pro wrestling if you can nail it. And Triple H loves that type of stuff. So, Cody gets bitch slapped. Seth Rollins starts yelling at uh, Roman and Rock because Rollins was out there too, um, which is odd. I'm not sure why he was there, but uh, they walk out. So, I think The Rock is embracing being a heel, which I will say, 
this is the best I've seen The Rock um, since watching, like, you know, this is the best since Hollywood Rock, like Attitude Era Rock, because he's embracing the fact he is a heel. That's why he was big in the Attitude Era, because he was an exceptional heel, and people liked him so much as a heel, he turned face, which is what's going to happen with Roman Reigns over time. If Roman would have lost that belt um, years back, he would be a face by now, because he's such a good heel people are eventually going to cheer him whenever he gets rid of the title but i'm saying rock is a heel at his core and he was a heel last night um and uh it was it was pretty awesome so then afterwards they show triple h being interviewed like once at backstage once again they're doing this more sports style presentation and the rock and roman walk by and the rock's basically like that's unacceptable he can't be doing that. I'm on the board because he is on the board of uh, TKO, the company that now owns WWE. So uh, Triple H's like, I know it's unacceptable. And then they bleeped out the entire statement that The Rock said. Um, and there's been lip readers online that basically he said, I'll slap the fucking teeth out of his mouth, which is crazy. So um, they're completely presenting things like it's like real and that The Rock is actually pissed because he's on the board and he set up this match between him and Roman. Like, it is awesome the way they're doing this. They went, because here's the thing. Originally, I was going to record an emergency pod last Saturday and just come on here and bitch and moan about how upset I was with WWE and how they're messing everything up because The Rock was coming in and ruining everything. But I decided not to do that because I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him a week to work it out. I'm going to give him a week because there's a chance that on Monday Night Raw or at this WrestleMania presser, Triple H pivots and realizes Cody needs to be the guy to take on Roman. And I <laughs> Triple H realized. They completely pivoted. Now, granted, some people are like, oh, this was the plan the entire time. The Rock knew we'd boo him. I don't think so. I think The Rock thought he would be cheering to be him versus Roman at Mania. And then when that didn't happen, and he was getting booed, and people didn't want him, they pivoted, and they made Rock a heel. What do I think is going to happen? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think at Elimination Chamber, we're going to get Seth and Cody versus Rock and Roman. And then I think at WrestleMania 40, Seth is going to be in a triple threat with Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. He's going to be removed from this. Then it's either The Rock faces Cody Night 1 for the right to face Roman, and then Cody wins and goes to face Roman Night 2. Or The Rock just fights somebody on Night 1. And Cody faces Roman night two and wins. Then Cody wins. He finishes the story. Everybody's excited. Um, I would be so happy for Cody. I would love it. Oh, my gosh. And then the story for the bloodline becomes, um, if you can keep Rock on TV, right, that's the, that's the goal, is like the Rock taking over the bloodline as the heel. And then you slowly turn Roman face so then next year, WrestleMania 41, no title involved. It's the end of the bloodline. Roman Face Roman versus heel rock. And that's the end of the bloodline. And then Solo Sokoa, can, um, they can somehow work at him in there. Because we know he's next in line. So. I don't know what they do with Solo. Like, I think WrestleMania 41, you do rock versus Roman. Roman's face. Roman defeats him, officially ending the bloodline storyline. Or... You do Rock vs. Roman next year, and then 42 is Solo vs. Roman, and that's the ultimate end of the bloodline. I'm not sure, but I feel like Rock Roman is the end of the bloodline, and then like Solo is like the epilogue. Solo Sokoa like, carries on 
that. But I'm not sure what they're going to do exactly with the bloodline. I mean, there's definitely a lot more story to tell, but I think this is where the end of Roman's title reign comes. And the next year is him versus Rock, building that tension to eventually a Roman Reigns face turn. And then WrestleMania 41 is them facing off, which would be awesome, because then at that point the fans want it. Like, that's what's perfect, is at that point, then the fans want to see that match more than this year. And that's what really works. And then um, WrestleMania 42, maybe that's when you do solo, if you want to have solo defeat Roman at a mania. Whatever. I get it. But yeah, I'm really excited where WWE is heading. But I also want to say NXT right now. I have found that I love watching NXT so much. Because uh, they've got a really good group of um, really good group of talent right now. Um, the women's side, I really like Cora Jade. I know she hasn't been wrestling at the moment, but I, I really think Cora Jade's got talent. Um, Roxanne Perez versus Lola, uh, Lola Vice is going to be interesting to see what they do there. But uh, Lola Vice um, is pretty good. Um, there's no like woman I really like in the women's division at the moment other than Cora Jade. Because like, I, I, I think Kip, Tiffany Stratton's really good. And um, now she's moving on. She's going to the main roster, which is exciting, I will say. But um, I thought she was really good. So I'm going to have to find a new woman on NXT to, like, really cheer for. But for the men's side, oh, man, they're cooking so hard. Because, like, right now, I mean, Dominic Dijakovic, um, which is just Dijak now. But Dijak is awesome. Every match he wrestles is great. And then Ilya Dragunov is the perfect NXT champion because he can put on a banger match with anybody. So Ilya Dragunov is a perfect NXT champion. And then we get the big thing, which is heel Carmelo Hayes, which is just flat-out awesome, and then Trick Williams, and I love Trick. And so Melo as a heel is amazing. Um, he Just in one week, I've already been blown away by Melo as a heel. When he, um, so NXT is just cooking so hard right now. Like NXT, I am so interested, and I love what Shawn Michaels is doing. Um, I was waiting for this Trick Williams-Carmelo thing to explode because at that point, then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start watching NXT more when that implodes. And it did at Judgment Day. So now I'm going to like pay a lot more attention to NXT because I'm like, they, the, what they're doing right now over there is really exciting. And you know how that is. Once they get one hot storyline like that, more and more start coming, and um, they just continue to build. So I'm really excited what NXT is doing. So, yeah, right now WWE, I just think, is absolutely killing it. I have no like, – I don't watch AW at all at this point. Um, they've got, like I said, like five guys I really like. That's really it, but I can't wait for WrestleMania 40. It's going to be exciting to see what they do. Uh, Cody's going to finish the story. I'm sure we're going to talk about it again on the podcast, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to. It's funny because, like, big pro wrestling guy, but I don't always talk about it on the podcast, and so thought I'd do that today. Um, Yeah, so let's. What Do I even have anything for ramblings or reels and writings? Um, In my film class the other day, we watched. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is a German silent film. So, um, there's always a step with films where you just get too artsy for my taste. And I'm like, I don't enjoy this. I just, I just gotta be honest. Um, there is probably no way, I don't care how exciting you are, how good you are, there's probably no way I'm going to be interested by a German silent film. I get just too far. It's just a step too far for me. So, um, I'm always pretty proud of myself that, like, I really, like, enjoy, like, Akira Kurosawa movies because they're black and white um, films that, foreign films that, like, I, I had to read the subtitles on, and I feel like it's a pretty big step for me. Um, but 
when we're getting silent foreign films, that's just a, that's like a step too far. Cause now you're doing, they're doing the thing where like they talk and then it flashes the words up on the screen, but the words I'm seeing aren't actually English. So there's subtitles underneath subtitling the words that are already on the screen. So it's, it's just a step too far. Like I, 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 I can enjoy watching a foreign film. I have to admit, like, obviously it's very good to watch foreign films and watch these different types of movies, but there's always a part of your brain that has to be like, okay, we're going to do this because it is not as easily digestible as a normal film. It's just reality. So, um, you know, uh, I feel like a silent foreign films is like a step too far for me, but yeah, a little less exciting than last week, much boys in the hood, but I did watch do the right thing the other day. So, um, it was, it was really good. I don't know if I like it better than boys in the hood. To me, I think I like Boys in the Hood better because Boys in the Hood is like the Goodfellas of like gangster movies where it's like, yeah, look how cool this is, but also like don't do it. And this comes from a guy who hasn't seen Goodfellas, but I know that's kind of how it rolls. Um, whereas Do the Right Thing is more like a like a parable about like race in America. And I think that's very interesting, but they're doing completely different things. Boys in the Hood is telling a story um, about, you know, living in this part of America um, with this culture and it's putting you in that tale whereas do the right thing is like it's like it's like a it's like a, like I said a parable it's like a little story that you sit with and makes you think about I think both are excellent movies I like them both I think Boys in the Hood is a little more traditional I think I like that better maybe I'm not sure. I'm probably going to watch Black Klansman soon. Might go on a little Spike Lee run, because I do enjoy Spike Lee. Um, last night I watched Zoolander. It was it was fun. Uh, it, was a, it was a very me movie, in which it, um, it's you could tell they'd be writing it, and Stiller was like, and then this happens. And they were like, yeah, sure. And that's that's fun. It felt like a... It felt like something I would write with my... Not like the exact jokes. Like, I would never do, like, the fashion design stuff. Like, that was very creative what he did. But um, it felt like it's it's comedic. Its sense of humor was very up my alley. Um, Zoolander was hilarious. Um, if you haven't seen it, you got to. And it's if you don't find it funny, clearly you're not watching Ben Stiller's performance. This is one of the funniest. Derek Zoolander is genuinely like one of the funniest comedy characters I've ever seen. Like, I love Happy Gilmore, and I think Happy Gilmore as a character is very funny. Derek Zoolander is a funnier character than him. Like, Derek Zoolander I could put in any situation, and he's gonna make me laugh. Like, the way he talks, the way he uses his face all the time, it, he's very funny. Um, and that movie is very funny. It's had a resurgence over time. It's like, it wasn't a huge hit when it came out. And then over time, more and more people were like, oh, I love Zoolander, because it, it was great. And it, was, it was a very fun movie. I really loved it, so. It's always fun to see Owen Wilson, too, so. It was great. All right. Um, that is it for me. Uh, enjoy Super Bowl 58 this weekend. And um, I think it's going to be really fun. So um, if you have any interest in watching WWE after I talked about it, that's great. That, that makes me feel happy. So um, all the PLEs are on Peacock, all the big shows. So um, keep that in mind. But um. Anyways, very excited to see what goes on with NXT and WWE. And um, that's been all for me. I will see you all in the next one. Acknowledge me.